This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And welcome back. I'm Deacon Paul Trinan. And we're broadcasting today from northwestern South Dakota. Eastern. Eastern. Yep. Oh, Northeastern Eastern, South yeah. Dakota. Yep, we're, I would, I'm not by Montana, am I? We're up by <laughs> we're up by Milbank, South Dakota, Watertown. Yeah, yeah, we're not by Montana yet. <laughs> we're out no. by Minnesota. See, that's good. I'm good. Anyway, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, the next guest that we have on is one that I'm excited to have on, um, Sister Janet Horseman. Thank you, Sister, for joining us this morning. Well, thank you, Heather, for inviting me. And tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a presentation sister, and I have been a presentation sister actually for 50 years now. Congratulations. um, Thank you. I'm actually a recycled teacher. I taught in Catholic high schools in the diocese for a number of years and also in Omaha. Spent some time at one of our missions in Mexico and then came back and worked at Our Lady of Guadalupe in Omaha or in Omaha for a number of years. And I'm currently in our his, the Presentation Sisters Hispanic Ministry here in Sioux Falls, which is called Caminando Juntos. It means walking together. And I do immigration legal services. It's, um, our ministry is a ministry with newer Latino immigrants uh, in the surround in Sioux Falls and the surrounding area. So I've been at this for about the last twenty years. Well, and you were one of the sisters that got Comandante Junto started. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, actually, I was I was part of the founding group of this ministry. Um, it's a ministry that our community has sponsored and been involved in. It actually began in 2002, and it really grew out of um, the data that was that came out of the census that was done in 2000, uh, which reflected or demonstrated that there was a significant growth in new immigrants, particularly of Hispanic or Latino origin, in this area. And so it grew out of a number of conversations with different agencies and individuals and so on in Sioux Falls and the surrounding area. And um, it's a ministry that our community decided to sponsor, and it really is a response to the gospel mandate to welcome the stranger. Um, Our mission is really to be welcoming, to try to help create a welcoming presence and respond to newer Latino immigrants as they try to make a home here among us. And, um, you know, I, I see it, it's definitely a ministry that's rooted in the gospel, that's rooted in the social teachings of the church, and it's also deeply rooted in the charism and the life of Nano Nagel, who founded our community back in the 1700s in Ireland, and who literally spent herself and gave her life for the poor and the marginalized. Hmm. So it's got some pretty deep roots. <laughs> it sure does. And I can, ma- I can imagine you're pretty busy. Uh, we tend to be very busy, um, sometimes more so than others, but... Um, 
you know, we I think we we had uh, some data that we collected. Things really changed, of course, during the pandemic, as they did for everybody. But I think it was like during the first six months of this year, we had over 7,500 phone calls coming in and out of our office. So wow. it tends to be fairly busy. What are some of the typical, uh, and then I'm going to ask the non-typical after this, so save those, but the typical um, outreaches that you, pro- that you provide for these newer Latinos that come to the Sioux Falls and South Dakota area? What would kind of the day-in, day-out typical things be? Sister? Well, there are some programs that are pretty constant, uh, including, of course, English classes. Um, we do have or have had some uh, computer classes. Um, in the past, we've had bilingual counseling, although our bilingual counselor is no longer with us, and we don't offer that service anymore. Um, we do offer immigration legal services here through our office, uh, citizenship preparation, usually on a one-on-one kind of tutoring basis. We had to do a lot of one-on-one and Zoom and so on during the pandemic. And then we have a lot of people that just come to our office that reach out either through telephone or coming to the door uh, for just a variety of needs. We never know for sure um, what's going to happen in a given day. And that's anything from helping folks find housing, food, uh, clothing, uh, help with filling out job applications because so much of that now is done online and many people coming newly to our arrive to our country um, you know have limited English proficiency and limited uh, technology skills um, yeah. helping them with medical appointments and so on and so forth so there's just a real variety of ways that we try to make people feel welcome and comfortable here and help them kind of acclimate or integrate into our community. We're talking with Sister Janet Horseman. She's the with she's an immigration legal specialist with Caminando Juntos in Sioux Falls. And she's one of the founding sisters of this ministry. And it speaks to and and it's a mission that reaches out and welcomes the newer Latinos to the area of Sioux Falls in South Dakota. Um, and, I mean, you'd have to be living under a rock to not recognize an increased population of Latinos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in our area. So um, many of which many of which come from a Catholic, a basis of Catholic roots as well. Correct, Sister? Yes, many do. I would also have to say, though, that many are not of Catholic roots. Um, many are evangelical Christians, uh, particularly folks that come from... Guatemala and El Salvador, uh, Mexico, people that come from Mexico, at least in my experience, tend to have more Catholic roots. So, you know, it's a diverse population, faith-wise and, um, and you know, in, in a lot of different ways. And when, before we, um, you and I had a great conversation when I had called you for this interview, and you were talking uh, with me about um, sometimes we get the wrong view of immigrants. Can you talk about one of the most popular immigrants that we know of? <laughs> one of the, say that again, Heather? One of the most popular immigrants that people might not think about that we all well, know. 
You know, I just, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about immigrants and immigration and migration in general. And I just, you know, it's, it's way past time for us um, to stop using immigration as a way, as a wedge issue. Um, as a way to divide our country further, as a way to build power and position and a way to build capacity and raise money for campaigns. Um, Well, and I I think the important, what I was trying to drive at is you had told me that we don't think about as Jesus Christ himself being an immigrant. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, there... You know, the perspective of what our faith calls us to in regard to how we welcome people, mm-hmm. um, welcoming the stranger, and so on, is, is totally missing, I think, in, for the most part, in our dialogue and conversations around immigration. And, you know, if we read the scriptures from, the perspe- from that perspective, it's crystal clear that God calls us you know, to welcome the stranger and to take care of the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, migration and hospitality is a very significant theme in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we fail to, I think we don't realize very often or think about the fact that, of that fact that migration is so prominent in the scriptures. And I think what I was saying to you is that, you know, in the New Testament, we find that Jesus himself was, in in sense, a refugee. Mm-hmm. You know, after he was born, as a baby, the Holy Family had to flee because mm-hmm. there was a threat on his life. And so they fled and escaped into Egypt to avoid his death. And, um, you know, throughout his, his public life and his ministry... Jesus was an itinerant preacher, you know. He, he, he moved about. He, in a sense, was a migrant that relied on the hospitality and the goodness and kindness of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we can trace that theme all through the scriptures. If we go back to, um, you know, the, the Old Testament, um, it, it calls us repeatedly to be aware of and responsive to the vulnerable and the marginalized, and particularly mm-hmm. the widows, the orphans, and the aliens. So we're going to take a break, Sister. We're with Sister Janet Horseman from the Caminando Juntos group. That is, she's a legal specialist dealing with new Latinos that have come to the area. I'll bet there isn't a single small, even small community within the areas. There's probably a few small communities that haven't been, um, um, haven't had Latinos come to their to their communities. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask after this break what kind of re- recommendations you'd have for, I'll say, us or for those that are experiencing these new folks coming to their communities, and what we can do to build up this body of Christ. So hold that uh, idea for me, sister, and we'll talk about that here right after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Radio, and we're looking forward to having you back right after this break. 
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it on Monday at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference will help you learn how to take faith principles and integrate them into the workplace. This year's featured speaker is Super Bowl champion and former Minnesota Viking, Matt Burke. Join us on Thursday, August 19th at the Convention Center in Sioux Falls. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to faithandbusinessconference.com. What if you only had 20 weeks to live? How hard would you fight for 30 or 40? Today, we are in the fight of our lives, the fight for life. The loss of a baby should never be marginalized. 20 weeks in the womb has become a line in the sand that delineates one kind of abortion from another. I'll ask it again. What if you only had 20 weeks to live? How hard would you fight for 40? The unborn deserve nothing less than the fight of our lives fighting for their lives. Written by Alison Updahl. number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And right. welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. I'm Deacon Paul Trinan. Sorry, Deacon. No, it's all right. <laughs> We're broadcasting today from the Abbey of the Hills in South Dakota. Thank you for joining us. We're talking with Sister Janet Horseman. And Deacon, you had a great question for her right before we went to break. Well... Again, I think some, we talk about fear, and sometimes just something different causes fear. I don't like change. And change causes fear. (laughs) All these things cause fear, but it doesn't take much. And the fear just wisps away like Mm -hmm. like a mist that goes up into the air and is, is disappearing. What can we do? What would you recommend, Sister? For a, a small community, because most of us live in small communities. So, uh, all of a sudden, a block or two away, maybe next door, uh, a Latino family moves in. Um, they're different. They're different. They speak different. They're, they may be socioeconomically, they're looking for work, whatever. Um, what, what are some things that we can do if we're, if we're gospel, gospel Catholics? What mm-hmm. can we do to be the body of Christ? Well, I think just the way that we are present uh, to people, um, we do tend to fear what we don't know. And, of course, many times with people of a new culture or a different culture or a different 
country, you know, there's a language barrier as well. But even if we don't speak the language, um, just the way we respond to people when we see them, um, you know, just our facial features, our nonverbals, um, smiling instead of scowling, (laughs) Mm -hmm. making eye contact, make a simple greeting, um, anything we can think of to make people feel comfortable and to feel welcome rather than to give them the impression that they don't belong. And, you know, I think we can do that on a day-to-day basis. If we meet people on the street, wave at them instead of, you know, ignoring them. Or, um, And I think our parishes and our churches can um, provide um, some real assistance in this area, too, in terms of trying to make people feel welcome, even though the services may not be in the person's, you know, original or first language, if people feel welcome and, like, people are willing to greet them and embrace, take them into the community, embrace them, not in a, so much in a physical sense, but just so that they feel a part of things instead mm-hmm. of being so isolated, um, I think that can do a lot in terms of breaking down barriers. So let's talk about, you have a lot of experience in this department. Let's talk about why they're immigrating to America. Can you talk about some of the situations that they are coming from and what brings them to America? Well, you know, that has really changed and shifted over the years that that I've been in ministry here. In the years when we first started the ministry, it was primarily young single men from, from Mexico that were coming because of poverty, because of um, difficulties with providing basic necessities for their families. And so there was an attempt on, I mean, they were coming mainly to work and to earn some money to send home to support their families. And there actually used to be more of a revolving door, to be honest with you. People would come for a while and go back. They didn't come just to stay. Hmm. And then they would come back again and work a while, and then they'd go home. Hmm. But, you know, as security has increased on the border, that's become impossible. And so now if somebody comes to our country and is able to get in, they stay. Um, Now I'm talking about people that, you know, are coming without authorization, without Hmm. the documents that they need in order to be here legally. Um, But actually now... The, the larger influx is coming from Central America, what we call the Northern Triangle of Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. And, you know, in November of this past year, there were a couple of devastating, ferocious hurricanes that hit that area back-to-back, wiped out about 250,000 homes or more, destroyed over, you know... I mean, over 500,000 people were displaced. Hmm. The estimate is that over 5 million people were in desperate need of some kind of assistance and aid. And then compounding that are things like years and years of drought prior to that in Guatemala that wiped out the crops. There's a lot of economic instability. There's a lot of gang violence in those countries. Um 
And so people are fleeing. People are desperate. They, they don't have any sense of hope or opportunity in their countries. And so it's not only the United States that they're fleeing to, but there's also been an increase in migration to Mexico and Belize and Costa Rica and Nicaragua and Panama. They're all mm. seeing people fleeing that part of, the, of, of, our, of our hemisphere. And so, um, you know, it's a variety of reasons that they're coming. But many, many, many of them are desperate. And, I mean, I can't even imagine how desperate a parent must be to send their child on that journey many times alone because they simply can't care for them and they think there's a better hope and better opportunity in this country and so it's like our neighbors are in crisis and you know when our neighbors are in crisis when that's happening right here in our own country with our neighbors if they're in crisis we reach out and we find ways to respond to them with compassion and with care. And, you know, our, our rural heritage is that. And that's who we've historically been, most of our history, as a country. And you know what? I don't think that's d- dissimilar to, um, to what the, where they're coming from themselves. I have a story. Uh, my father-in-law passed away. We sold his old car. It was not a good car. It was, you know, just a, an extra, extra car. And we advertised that this Latino f- young man came, couldn't speak English, so his sister, his older sister, came. And her English was fair. And we sold the car, shook hands. And then, I don't know why she knew this. She might have seen a picture in our house when we were when she was giving us the check for this car, and she said, Diaconia? And I said, yeah. And she goes, would you come and bless my house? Wasn't that tremendously courageous of her? And and they lived in a community about 15 miles away from where I live. I said, I'd love to. I'd love to. So I went there, and we blessed this very, very modest home. Not, Not a fancy home whatsoever. Two years later, my dad has Alzheimer's. He's in a nursing home. It's COVID time. We had to move him up to this area and this community that's 15 miles away from me um, because there wasn't as much COVID there. And I'm sitting there. They bring my dad out into this patio area so we can engage from a socially distanced area. And this Latino woman brings him out in his wheelchair, my dad with Alzheimer's. And she looks at me. And I look at her, and she goes, Deacon? And I went, uh-huh. wow. This whole thing is, is, is so circular. And so you reach out, and they reach back. And I knew my dad was in great hands with this woman. I just, it yeah, brought a tear yeah. to my eye. Yeah. They're very caring for the most part, you know. I mean, the people who are coming here are desperate. It's not... Well, and I'm going to be bold. Not that they want to leave their countries or their homes. Right. Right. Um, There's a humanitarian crisis going on, not only in Central America, but across the globe. Europe is experiencing the same thing. 
with people from Africa. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the longer we um, stall and stay in this mode of keeping people out and not doing anything except using this as an issue to, you know, for political purposes, the worse this is going to get. It's not going away. And, you know, it's not only, I mean, it's our call as Christians and as Catholics to respond. And I think this is a piece of the dialogue that's very, very absent from the, the conversation in our country. And I think as Catholics and as Christians, we have an obligation and a responsibility to insert this into the conversation. Um, yeah. You know, the scriptures are full of it. Yep. And it's like 36 times in the first five books of the Bible that God has this extraordinary concern for the widows, the orphans, and the aliens. Mm. And that, you know, that um, theme runs throughout the New Testament as well. Yeah. Um, well, Sister, we're running out of time this morning, and I wanted to give people an opportunity um, to connect with Caminando Juntos. Um, can you tell people how to find out more information about uh, just the work that you do there, how they can um, maybe volunteer, help, donate, whatever it might be? Um, well, can you we give have a, a Facebook page, Caminando okay. Juntos Facebook page. We do have a, a page on the website of the Presentation Sisters. So if you go to the PresentationSisters.org, there's a ministry section where you can find a page of information about our ministry. There's opportunities to donate to our ministry and support our, work, our ministry that way. There are also opportunities for teaching English, uh, helping to teach citizenship, um, each year around Christmas time, um, there's a, a clothing drive to, it's called Warm a Neighbor, where people are invited to donate new, like, mittens and gloves and heavy socks and those kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, through the Warm a Neighbor program. There's just a variety of ways that that, that can happen. Beautiful. Sister Janet, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, Absolutely. thank you. Sister Janet, God bless you. Amen. And you as well. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break, folks. We'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 